and welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Candrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the, the Yerky, Yerky Boys. Boys. As from our end, that was pretty in sync, and I think that's the best we can do. Well, I was gonna say that's from your end because on my oh. end, I intentionally came in a second early on both my name and the the title drop. It sounded great over here, which means it's definitely not going to work on the recording. No, well, that maybe that means I've figured it out. Maybe that's mm. the you know I I'm always I can never remember. Do I should I try to come in a little early or a yeah. little late? It's because we don't practice it. Yeah, not like <laughs> you know a a good professional podcast. They will rehearse those intros. Yeah, we'd have done it like you know twenty times in a row until we just had it. That's why every other podcast you listen to, when they inevitably all hosts say the name of their podcast at the same time, it always sounds great. Right. Yeah. Cause that's Isn't what, it funny how yeah. that became an industry standard? Yeah, I know. We were really industry leaders in that because I think it started with our, our cast. Yeah, it did start with us. Marin took it. Uh, Conan does it now. Uh, Joe Rogan does it all the time. Mm-hmm. We really, uh, we really yeah. set a lot of trends that way. Trendsetters, what can we say? Yeah. Yeah. Plus all those Animorphs podcasts, basically we kick that off. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to any of those other ones, uh Morphin Time or whatever they're called, you uh you got us to think. <laughs> that, that's you made that up, right? <laughs> I, I feel like isn't the biggest one Animorphin Time or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. But <laughs> this one is the Yerky Boys. Right, yeah, that's what you're listening to. And boy, you're really joining us in the middle of a corker. That's right. This is part two of the Andalite Chronicles, Aloran's Choice. Wow. Yeah. Now, I oh, didn't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I didn't really write up any kind of recap for the last one. I, I have a little bit like just set the stage so you remember where we are. But uh, oh, sure. Like, like if you didn't listen to the last ep, if you don't remember the first half or never read it, don't. Don't start on this one. Go back no to the last episode. Who would do that? What kind no, of a I, psychopath would do I, that? There are clearly people listening to this podcast out of order. We can tell by the viewer numbers. We know you're there. <laughs> listen, okay. I can understand if you listen to a book out of order, but nobody's jumping into part two of one book. It, well, they're not now because I'm telling them not to. Okay. <laughs> start on part one. Listen to that. Then you can come back here. All right. Now, we do have this separate cover this week. Yes. New cover. There's not, I, I don't think, too much to talk about on it. No. I mean, it's very similar to the last one, but more zoomed in. And Elfangor looks more like, I don't know, like gentle uh, and less like a badass. I don't know. <laughs> is that really? He looks more gentle to you? I don't, maybe gentle is maybe not the word, but like in the first one, he's like imposing. He looks like he's about to fuck you up. And in this one, he just like, you know, he still looks like hard, but he's not, you know, he's I not about like his, to fuck you up. I don't know. His eyes look more menacing to me. It looks like he's he's the, like got a his main or... eyes or his stock eyes. Uh, his both. main eyes. His main eyes look a lot less menacing to me. What are we looking at the same cover? <laughs> How do they look? Le- he looks mad. He looks like he's, he is gonna fuck you up. I mean, Listen. look. Are you flipping back to the first cover and looking at him on that yeah, one? He's like yeah, direct. 
I well, don't. I don't. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I guess he's not as head on, but whoever he is looking, at, I feel like his eyes have a little bit more of a the mean. Uh, uh, I'm trying not to use the word slant, <laughs> like, but that they're at more of an angle. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's a more severe angle. He's just serious. He's a serious guy. Listen, who here is the expert on Andalite body language? I am. Right. I don't think. I don't. Hmm. hmm I just. I, I, just, I, I don't know. Based on this that. conversation, I seem I to be. I just. I just well, don't listen. Know. <laughs> when we see an Andalite, you you take the risk if you think I that will. he looks like he's in a good mood, and you walk up to him and get I your will. throat fucking cut by his tail. <laughs> get him. No. When I, he fucking puts some tail into you. Because <laughs> I know all about Andalites, and uh, you know I know what they think. Because they're not gonna think I'm a threat. I'm a silly guy on two legs. I know how to be funny. You know, break the ice. They'll <laughs> you'll, be like, look at that. Yeah. Be doing some Charlie Chaplin shtick. <laughs> yeah. Ex- exactly. I'll be the little Charlie Chaplin. They won't even realize I'm a threat till I got him in a headlock. Then he'll see my strong <laughs> arms, and he'll realize he's fucked. Mm. And then, and what is their tail doing while he's well, in a headlock? Well, by this point, I've already choked him out. Uh, it's all good, man. Okay. Trust me, humans are expert grapplers. Andalites don't know shit about that. Once we get in close, <laughs> now, I could take him. Is what I'm saying. All right, whether or not you could take him, we have to table that for another day. But I do. I will say one other thing on these covers. Now, I don't know if this is just Seropedia. Yeah, you know what? I think it is just Seropedia. I think their main image is just shittier. Because hmm. the one I'm seeing, it looks like the second cover is, is like a much richer, more vibrant color palette. But I think they just have a washed out, shitty scan of the first, of the real cover. I'm flipping back and forth, and it does seem like a little more, I don't know dynamic and it's color like it's the same palette but like there's it's like more and it does seem a little more intense here i wish i could show you this physical copy they have one scan that looks like they literally somebody scanned the actual folded out so you can see them connected to each other Mm. and they look pretty close it's not the the other one i was looking at yeah i mean if i okay if i flip it out they just run directly into each other i think it might just be a difference in like how they are painted one might have a little bit more detail in the lighting i also thought maybe it's just because it's closer up but certainly compared to the other andalite depictions this andalite maybe i said this last week too but it looks a little like more cartoony to me the eye the face especially doesn't look as I know it's stupid to say photorealistic because it's the fucking horse alien, but <laughs> I feel like on the Axe book, there was more of an attempt for it to look photoreal, and this looks more obviously in a painted hmm. style, painterly kind of style to me. I, I could um, see that. I'd have to actually pull out the Axe book, and I'm not going to do that. I but... think it's the eyes are a big part of it. Just like the way they're drawn looks more animated, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You what have a lot more this? to say about this than I was expecting. <laughs> Some, me too. <laughs> That's, isn't this always how it goes? I don't have much to say about this 40 minutes later. Oh, <laughs> never mind. I, I guess I did. Uh, I just wanted to end on what 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 is he doing with his hand? He's got his hand in a position like he's kind of like he's got his index. Well, he's got seven fingers, but whatever mm-hmm. his whatever his pointer finger is like. It's not fully pointing. It's sort of like, it's it's sort of like he's about to do an ET phone home, but his finger isn't quite got all the way up yet. I don't know what's going on with that. 
I think he's stimming. Like, I think he's he's not quite sure what to do with his hands. He's got like awkward little hands, right? That's what I think is going on. Okay, yeah. All right, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. It all makes right, sense. That, that's that's all I had then. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. good for that. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. This is gonna be a shorter episode this week. People should know that. Well, I mean <laughs> it certainly seems like it, right? Like it seems like there's not a ton to cover, although, again, like last time, a lot of the little details are just like, oh, I might I might need to spend forever on this one tiny little thing that happened. But yeah, I just think we're in the middle of the book. This is I th- pretty sure this is a bit shorter than last week's. There's not really many new characters we have to, like, get into. It's, you know, it's it's more straightforward this week. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I, I was expecting that maybe we could get these episodes on average shorter, and last one was exactly the same length as normal, so yeah, maybe, maybe these well, two will be. Well, I think if we talk, let's talk for a little longer about how long we think it's going right. to be. Yeah, let's, do you want to place a bet? <laughs> I'm still going to say 90 minutes this week or more. <laughs> okay, <laughs> 90 minutes or more. Yeah, that makes and a lot of sense. no email this week either, that email last oh. week really... That really stretched things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask if we had any extra email we this don't. week. We mm. don't. We don't. Nothing to gotcha. share. Nothing to share. Sorry, so. controllers. <laughs> no we sharing can... this week. So. So, uh, I guess we could jump <laughs> right in. Uh, yeah, let's jump right in. <laughs> do, are we... Are we we're ready. I can't. I can't believe we're ready to jump right in. Like we're ready feels, to jump because we already started this book. We're it in the feels like of we're, it. we always go twice this long. All right. No, fine. we don't always go twice this long. Yeah, sometimes that's an it's exaggeration. More. <laughs> it's usually around the ten minute. Well, that's usually when we start the cover. <laughs> but, but regardless, <laughs> we're in it now. Okay. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Um. I will do just a little teeny set the stage. Let's all remember where we were. Previously on the Andalite Chronicles. Right. That was really good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So Elfangor is on the Taxon homeworld, as we recall. He's cut off from his comrades, Aloran and Arbron. Um, Chapman, the human, he made contact with the Yerks. And uh, he's like sold Lauren and the rest of humanity out to them. Uh, there is a time matrix on a Skritna ship uh, that the Yerks don't know about, but that Elfangor has to get from them. Uh, and he is still just a cadet with no real experience, and he has no plan and no support. So, we're right in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good yeah. recap. Yeah. No, it's not. It's more of a set the stage. Like I said, if you don't know who those people are, you got to go back. If I, you don't know what... Yeah. I, want, I, I really want to... I, I hope I can be a big strong Andalite one day. Uh, come to the bridge. You're you gotta you gotta get these scritna. Oh my God! There's a time matrix. Holy sh- shit! Uh, uh, let's. Uh, we're we're taxons now. Ah, it's gross. Uh, I'm the I'm a visser. Fuck you. Ah, hey, get these get these humans. Get these you, uh... humans. You you miss the sultry voice being like, "Well, hey there, big sexy horseman." 
right. Yeah, well, it's, you know, yeah, but that that's like how the previous song, and then underneath would be like the newsroom music, dum, dum, da, dum, dum, dum. That's, I don't know what the, I can, you know, the newsroom music, we all know what that is. <laughs> all, right. all right, well, we said there wasn't going to be a recap, but we just did it, so now you know, now you don't have to go listen to the other one. Uh, so, yeah. Elfengor's in this situation. Uh, you know, he's got his first thought, he's got to rescue Lauren, but he, like, you know, he knows that's not true. So he, uh, flies off. Remember, he is in bird morph still. Uh, so he flies off to the Skritna ship, uh, in the bay and hopes to find a way to steal it or, uh, you know, maybe run into Arbron or Aloran who would also be coming here in theory. Um... He flies under it and morphs Andalite and then Taxon uh, when Arbron in Taxon Morph shows up uh, and is like, oh, hey, it's you. And they team up. So they <laughs> they walk onto the ship like, oh, nothing's wrong. We're just here for a computer repair. Ha ha. And they uh, <laughs> they get stopped by some Geds, you know, um, and they can't speak Gallard as Taxons, but they use a tablet, we find out, to talk. Uh, the, they get on board the ship. You know, they let him on to do the computer repair. Uh, they close the doors. They power up the engines and, uh, you know, take off. Ha ha, we got away. And Elfangor demorphs, uh, but Arbron can't demorph. Uh, he has been trapped as a taxon nothlet. Yeah. So that is our intro to this part here. We got... <laughs> It, it really does read like uh, like another intro, right? Like it it says on Seropedia this was released as three books, and I cannot find any corroborating evidence of this, and I have no memory of this, but like it is structured like the start of a new book, right? Like she's actively, she spends a lot of time like expositing what's a script now, what's going on here uh, that was yeah, like that, already. That was the one part that I thought was strange that jumped out at me was the recapping what a script not is like yeah. the, the rest of it didn't, I felt like it all made sense. It didn't feel like a recap. That was the one thing that was like, we, we know you said that already. <laughs> Why is that yeah. there? Uh, but yeah, I guess it makes sense in, in that way. I mean, they don't spend nearly as much. It's like two sentences instead of like a paragraph or two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that was weird, but I guess maybe that is why. Maybe in some way, shape, or form, th this was a separate book at some point. Yeah. Wikipedia uh, insists that it was. I don't know. I didn't find any like copies on eBay or anything like that. Uh, the other thing I will say, though, about this... Uh this this part and and your what you just read yeah <laughs> is i mean this was if you just started listening to this which we told you not to or if you just started reading part 2 the amount of techno babble <laughs> that occurs in these opening <laughs> few chapters is uh, overwhelming. Like there is <laughs> so much fucking the time matrix operates at 14 spliggity sploops per blork blop. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck does any of this shit mean? It's so wild. Yeah, I hope, I mean, I hope everyone's ready to just jump back in. It's not, we're not going to ease you back. It really is like, uh, like, oh, you just like threw a cold glass of water in my face. Like this was not, 
<laughs> yeah, no easing was done here. We, they explained the script knob, but like that's nothing compared to everything else you have to comprehend right now. Right? Yeah. Uh, there's Crazy. so there's a lot of 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 that of that stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Where I don't know. Where where should we start? Should we, do we talk about Arbron? Sure. Do you want to? I have I have a lot of just random junk in here. Uh, a lot of it's not important, but. <laughs> We could definitely Arbron's the important part, right? Well, now then, let's we'll we'll yeah we'll save that because that's kind of the end of of this section. Okay. Um, uh, I had a couple. I, 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 how does Chapman know about the time matrix? Did we they told him about it? They just told him about it. Yeah, why, on the ship why? they were having <laughs> they were having their silent conference, <laughs> and Chapman was like. Uh, Hey, I know you're leaving us out, remember? Now I'm recapping for you. You read it. You were here. <laughs> Chapman was like, you don't leave us out. And and Elfengor was like, shut up, human. We, we don't, whatever. But Alarn was like, nah, he deserves to know. So it, like, we're dragging him away from his home. He deserves to know. So they told him what they were doing. Okay, that's profoundly stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Alarn said that? Yeah. This is the guy who, like is a stern leader, doesn't trust anybody, believes in the power of war crimes, but he's but he's willing to tell a random human about the most dangerous weapon in the universe. I think he just wanted to lecture him. I don't, listen. <laughs> All right, I was just trying to square that one. I also still don't understand why Chapman is so evil, but yeah, we already kind of covered that, but. <laughs> we did, and and this would be, this would be the book in which you could give him an arc, but they really don't, as we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just a he's just a piece of shit for some yeah. reason. <laughs> so there's that. Now let's talk about uh I want to talk about Yerk hosts and Geds. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. In in particular. I definitely want to talk about these Geds. So we've established that Yerks their rate of reproduction, I guess, is just so high, they're like constantly searching for hosts, right? I suppose so. Is um, that what we're meant to? I, I'm sort of confused it's not, because... It does seem like there are a lot more Yerks than there are hosts. But at the same time, in the Animorphs books, we know that the Yerks, compared to humans, like humans are a weird species because there's so many of us. Mm-hmm. So I almost, I don't know. I'm sort of, I feel like I'm getting mixed messages uh, as to whether the Yerks are in desperate need of hosts or they don't need that many because there aren't as many of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like it's somewhere in between. Uh, you're right. This is never directly addressed, but like it, it might not be wrong to be all like, listen, we, we could be putting Yerks in every single human. Um, and then we would have all the Yerks would have hosts or something like that. But right now only a small percentage of Yerks can have hosts. Um, yeah, it's not clear. Uh, clearly, their rate of reproduction is much higher than, like, hork or humans. That's, or at least hork right? This has got to be the case somehow. Uh, and a lot of these other species aren't that populous, and most of these other species aren't completely enslaved. Like, it's only the Geds and the hork who are completely enslaved, as we will mm. find out. Uh, most of the other ones, they only have, like, a couple hosts captured here, a couple there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, I, so there may be, I don't really know. answers to my questions, but. <laughs> yeah, not really. I don't. 
These are just things I, I was thinking about. And then, okay, so the, the Geds, yeah. who we know, are the Yerk's first hosts. Yes, and they are native to the Yerk homeworld. And they're kind of like, which, I don't know, why isn't it the Ged homeworld? It's kind of fucked up. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> nobody respects Geds. <laughs> they're sort of like monkey-like? Is that yeah. correct? And, yeah, and I always imagine them kind of looking like baboons with weird legs. I'm picturing in my head, like, uh, God, I don't know what I'm thinking of. I feel like there's a Futurama, just like a, just some kind of dumb looking chimp or something, or or from mm. The Simpsons, maybe. Like some kind of cart- silly cartoon chimp just <laughs> lumbering about. Yeah, I mean, that's not, not that far off. And they are clumsy. That's their yes. whole thing. Yes. I still, I'm, I'm still sort of confused between the, a lot of things are confusing me early on. Like we mm-hmm. need to really set me straight right now before we can continue. Okay, good. And, and none of them have anything to do with the plot of the book. Right. <laughs> are They keep stressing that Geds are like the lowest form of Yerk host. The Yerks don't want to be in a Ged. That sucks, right? Yeah, they'd rather be in a Ged than anywhere else. But like once you've been in another host, Geds just suck. But are Geds really worse than taxons? Yeah, I find that very interesting. <laughs> it's like they actively imply in this book that taxon controllers are like more coveted and higher ranking Yerks are in taxons than in Geds. And part of that probably has to do with the taxons being their like technicians and pilots because they have more dexterous hands and better eyesight. But I don't know that you actually want to get promoted to a taxon host, right? <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's terrible to be in one. And I also, it, it's such a strange choice to me that they're the technicians. <laughs> right, like, well, Gets have clumsy-ass fingers, and hork are the fighters. <laughs> it just is so, like, when you first describe a taxon to me, it's, oh, it's a big fat centipede with yeah. bulbous red jello eyes. I'm not thinking, oh, get that guy on a computer. Right. <laughs> like, well, it turns what? out their little legs are super like delicate and dexterous and can do all this stuff really good. And they have good <laughs> eyes for it too. So do the Yerk did the Yerks like design their computers to be used by taxon hands? Or they just can work with any systems they happen to have? I mean, I don't, this, the implication seems to be that they're pretty good at stuff, but I would bet that, I mean, they've got to be designing it around tax on hands, right? Like by the time we're at the modern day. It's an interesting thought because, you know, Yerks don't have a default. They're not designing anything for Yerks. Right. Everything right. they design is for the form factor of a host. So they kind of have to decide like, well, what's the most, I guess most of our hosts have two legs, so we'll make the chairs for two-legged hosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, all, all of their stuff is like, we stole this technology and then we uh, normalized it into our like regular, you know, like we've got this, this, and this. Okay, well now we can put this in there and then we'll standardize everything uh, so that it all kind of works the same. So it's like uniquely Yerk, but it is all cobbled together from everything else. Uniquely Yerk, I like that. Mm. That should have been our fingers, podcast. By the way, I just want to point out the the taxons have two fingers on each hand. That's what yeah, it says. Got, 
they got like a million legs and remember they they hold their bottom or their their top third off the ground so they got a ton of legs to work with all right. They're doing like I, all those gifts of the people I going need, like doo, 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 all over there. <laughs> I need Keep diagrams. Out. I need pick. I just it's hard for me to picture these taxons operating machinery. <laughs> I don't. I don't really get that. Um. Okay. I don't know. And what else did anything else you had? What's your other, your other random stuff besides Arbron? Uh, well, a couple of things here. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to spend more time on Geds, actually, okay, well, to yeah, start off, like those because I, I think we didn't spend any time on how the Geds talk here oh, yet. do they talk in here? They do. You missed it. How they always go, uh... Oh, uh, yeah, no, I did yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> so they have, the, they have the conversation where uh, we're talking about where they sort of... Uh, uh, imply that the taxons are higher ranked or whatever, and we find that taxons use tablets to to talk. Is uh, the Geds go? What are you doing here? And Elfango <laughs> responds, "Sreeze, we are Sreya." And the Ged goes, "User pad, you taxon wearers think you own the planet? Arrogant as Hork Bajir." Nixon? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Nixon was a Ged. Now, hold on, because also right now, presumably, all right, they're speaking Gallard. (laughs) Right. That we're getting the English translation of it. Yes. So so whatever the R sounds are in Gallard is what they're exaggerating, not actually the ones that we're seeing exaggerated. Right. They're just throwing growling R sounds into the middle of all their Gallard. <laughs> so, but it only happens with their R sound, like our R sounds. They're, oh, I guess it does otherwise, too. Sometimes they more, just throw them in, yeah. <laughs> it's more pronounced with, when it, the word has an R in it already. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's just, yeah, I don't know. It's That's one of those things that maybe <laughs> Elfangor or the computer is just translating that for our benefit to make it it's, make sense. It's like snake talk, but with R's instead of S's. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, I got I got a question for you about this. Uh, what do what do you uh what do you think a Ged's favorite movie is? <laughs> I mean, oh, I know what it is. <laughs> I was going to say I think I know what the rating is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I was going to say I think their favorite movie might be RRR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They like that. That's yeah. pretty good for a kid. <laughs> yeah. Sure is. Or you know what else they might like? Ooh, what else might they like? Well, just to take things in a different direction. <laughs> Armageddon? Ooh. Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good one, yeah. <laughs> pretty good yeah <laughs> uh, i'm impressed yeah me too yeah that was good <laughs> geds are good yeah i uh we, we get more geds in the hork chronicles or maybe you said or no? we do get it we do get more geds we'll get more okay. geds in a couple of occasions okay and cool. i'll be happy every time i see them <laughs> um now now it's funny uh the taxons here <laughs> 
can't speak Galard, right? Like when Elfangor can't speak Galard, the Geth's just like, oh my god, just use the pad, right? Now, last time, Subvisor 7, who we know is going to be Visor 3, told Elfangor that if he was one of them, he'd be able to speak Galard, which I guess is just bullshit, like he was just fucking with Elfangor. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I also don't, can I, like all the language things confuse me. Can Yurks do thought speech by themselves? Uh, no. They Although can't. They, I forget how they communicate in the pool. I think they do have to come in physical contact in the pool. I just, maybe it's because so often we just hear from Visser 3, who's in an Andalite body. Yeah. But I just don't, it feels like, I don't know. It just seems, because there's a part, I forget where, where, uh, I, I don't know, a Yurk can't hear somebody or something in thought speech. And it just, it just seems like they should be able to do it. I, I, I don't, I don't know, but I guess they can't. <laughs> yeah, no, they're like blind to the world and, uh. When they're in their slug form. So how do they, right, I guess that makes sense, because, like, Visser 3, well, yeah, we'll shout out communications, but the hork have to answer with their faces. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're it sucks There's just a lot team. of different <laughs> communication methods happening all around everyone simultaneously in a lot of these books. Yeah, Animorphs <laughs> does expect you to keep track of a lot of different aliens <laughs> that are all like, really weird. Not only different languages, but also like, you know, different actual forms of communication. It's yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot to and, and but and they I feel like just kind of gloss over it a lot and just go, eh, you know, we'll just make it English for you. So which which makes it almost more confusing. <laughs> but yeah. Speaking of different communication methods, there's a part in this, and I don't know if we've raised this point before. We probably have, but um, there's a bit where um, Elfangor, like, he's like, oh, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I'll see Arbron or Aloran. And, you know, they would be in Morph undercover, obviously. So, like, you'd think that since thought speech is psychic or whatever it is, he could like mm -hmm. send it out and just be like, it's private. It's only for Arbron and Aloran. And then if they're around, they'll hear it. Mm. But like, I guess he has to be like, I'm sending it at that hork -Bajir. And uh, if that one's not, you know, Arbron or something, then, uh, then I'm fucked. I'll have given myself away. Yeah, it does seem like you have to know where the person is. You can't yeah. just... But then uh, the Animorphs can do it from, like, Tobias is flying cover overhead and Rachel's in a basement. Yeah, and <laughs> I guess, um, like, didn't Axe send out thoughts? Or that was, like, through their dreams or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, he was. did some <laughs> other weird shit. Uh, <laughs> Invisor 3 got that one, too. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, I guess that is a little bit. Well, you know, Elfangor is young. Maybe he just hasn't mastered thought speech yet. <laughs> mm, yeah, that could be. Or maybe he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to risk it. I don't know. I might, but yeah, yeah that is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. question. I don't know. It's, I, th I think we have brought this up before. I don't remember. It's all a blur now. Yeah. Well, it's fine. I mean, it's, podcasts are designed for hearing the same <laughs> discussions over and over again. It's comforting. Good. Yeah. I'm glad people aren't bored by us.
Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, most of the bullshit that I said here is we already went over or whatever you you talked about or something. So we got to cover. We're on a different planet. There's aliens. We got to cover yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Arbron's attacks on now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This is so. This is pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. Our boy Arbron is now trapped as a taxon. Definitely uh, did not get as lucky as Tobias. <laughs> no. It's one of the worst morphs to be trapped as. <laughs> you could have been even like a Kafit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 This is... A Jabalov. And he also stresses the point that he feasted on the other taxons. You know, that was a big traumatic moment. Do we ever really find out, like, specifically... Like, presumably he just couldn't get alone and would have been exposed, but does he explicitly say how and why he couldn't morph back? Or are we just supposed to assume? Yeah, we don't, we don't know. We never find out what happened in the, in the interim there, but um, yeah, presumably he just couldn't get away and find a safe place to morph. Yeah. That's what yeah. we need a little, this is what our fan fix will be for is we'll, we'll write mm. uh, our bronze adventures. When... <laughs> there, I will say there are some parts in this book where I was thinking, I kind of wish there was a part from the point of view of Aloran or, and, and or Arbron. It does yeah. feel like we're missing some crucial pieces here. Yeah. I mean, like Arbron could have like a little story where like uh, in, in like Lord of the Rings where Frodo and Sam get pulled uh, into the orc <laughs> battalion and have to march in the line for a while. Maybe that yeah, happened yeah. to him and he had to like march along with all the taxons and find a yeah. way out. Honestly, yeah. you know what? I, I think I would have liked it if uh, maybe each part was from one of their perspectives. Mm. Three different Andalites yeah. telling their story. Or if they just did a Megamorphs thing and just swapped. But Yeah. I might be done with the swapping, but for a bit, uh, at least outside <laughs> of Megamorphs. <laughs> I'm a swap proponent. Yeah, I mean, I do think that at a certain point you would have to go to Lauren's perspective. It couldn't <laughs> it couldn't all be Andalites. But then it's were... the Andalite fucking chronicles, not the fucking human chronicles. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I just think. We'll we'll see. The fuck are you, what the fuck are you implying? <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying uh that I don't want to spoil too much, but in the next part there, like, we're going to see more humans. Like, Lauren will have a bigger part to play in the final part. Oh, interesting. Oh, when she, when they fuck. Right, exactly. <laughs> All it's right, well, basically one extended 100-page sex scene, which we will talk about <laughs> in graphic detail. All right, well, I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, this, you know, this was a bummer part. Sucks for Arbron. That's uh, pretty, it's not, I mean, it is really... It's 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 rough. It's yeah. It's, they spend it's a, a lot thing. of time just like propping up how this is like the most horrific thing. Yeah, uh, and then like immediately just like nope, he's fucking stuck. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it is also again if this was your first Animorphs book. <laughs> yeah, and this and you had didn't know about Tobias. You would it's even more. It's a whole other thing. You now have to comprehend the fact that you can get stuck. Yeah, like, you probably would not be ready for that uh, to just happen here if you didn't know about Tobias. It's very, I mean, Tobias was already sad enough. It's the, yeah. it's the same thing, but just even darker, so. Yeah, uh, pretty much you gotta up the stakes here. Yeah, but, uh, yeah what, what's next? Trapped as a, trapped as a, trapped as a, a ant? Mmm, mmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was... There may be more random trappings. I was curious if you were going to hit one of them, <laughs> but you didn't. Hmm. Trapped as a, 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 a skunk? Oh, no promises. <laughs> God, I hope Cassie gets just becomes a skunk Nothlet. Well, I'm, there may be five or six Cassie books in a row that are just about her skunk adventures, but <laughs> okay, we'll, well get... I'm look- yeah, <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. Back to let's get back to part two here. Part yeah, part two. Listen, we said this was going to be shorter, so we got to add it out more. Yeah, uh, yeah. So to make it longer. All right. All right. Um. So they're trying to take off. I'm just going to do a quick little thing here because it's an important reveal name drop. Uh, it's not that important to the plot yet, but as they are taking off, uh, Arbron and. Elfangor debate using the time matrix to escape. Uh, and there is a reveal that the time matrix was made by Elemists, of course. Who else would have done this? Um, and so, you know, Arbron's like, I want to go back in time and not be trapped as a taxon. And Elfangor's like, uh, we don't know how it works. And also, what if the Elemists get mad or something, right? Um yeah, Arbron yeah. kind of makes fun of him, and it's like, oh, the, the, you believe in those? And it's like, well, somebody made this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Andalites are strangely... Uh, there's a part later on where... Are, are you done with your summary? Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was just like, there's an actual summary to be done here, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. If you want to talk about this part specifically, let's do it. Um, or just throw in a mention. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, yeah, it was, uh, well, I guess I'll just finish my thought there. Yeah, uh, That uh, there's, a, there's a part later where he's like, you know, I don't believe in psychic stuff. And I'm yeah. like, the Andalites have a strange, I guess, I guess if you didn't know anything about humans, you might say something similar, but it's like, you don't believe in psychics. You don't, you think the Elemists aren't real, but you do literally speak telepathically and you can also morph into any animal. Like, yeah. Send out dream messages. <laughs> yeah. Like where, how are, where are you drawing these lines of what makes sense and what doesn't? Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they might just define psychic differently. I don't. I mean, that's you could. That's the same must. thing. Pro- as if you said like, "Oh, humans don't believe in ghosts, but like you can fly in the sky or something." You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you're from a species where this stuff isn't normal, then yeah, yeah, whatever. maybe. I don't know. But uh, so what? What actually ends up happening? They they do get off the ground, uh, but multiple bug fighters are coming up on like an intercept. They're coming to shoot them down, and they can't trade shots with them because their weapons suck and they can't outrun them uh, in space. But bug fighters are designed for space and Skritna ships can handle atmosphere better because, you know, they're weird scavengers. So uh, Alfangor is like, I'm going to stay in the atmosphere and outrun them. Um, And we get this really cool chase scene with them going like thousands of miles an hour, like right next to the ground. Uh, They're flaming from the air resistance, uh, like a bug fighter explodes from the heat. And it's really cool, and I like it a lot. Um, but they aren't sure that all the bug fighters are going to blow up before they do. So Arbron's like, "I can shoot, I can shoot them all down, right? We can, we can take a shot at them." And Elfangor's like, "That's impossible, even for a computer." And Arbron's like, "I used to bullseye womp rats in my T16 back home. They're not much bigger than two meters." So uh, 
So Elfangor quickly cuts the speed, right? The bug fighters shoot past. Arbon goes, boom, boom, boom. You know, uses the force and shoots them all down. And, uh, you know, this kind of melancholy because Elfangor's like, Arbron would have been a hero for this. If he was still an Andalite, right, he would have come home a hero and everyone would have been singing his praises. Uh, but no, he's a taxon and it sucks. Um, yeah. It's a cool scene. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun scene. I like that during all this... Um, shit that happens in this scene and the next <laughs> there's presumably just some script just like chilling on this ship somewhere yeah right? they like talk about the script just like running around bonking into them cleaning stuff up and not being like these, aware these yeah. script are just like they're just oblivious they don't give a shit about anything yeah <laughs> they're not a threat they don't they don't talk they're just doing their own thing <laughs> Nobody cares that they're there. <laughs> they're just like giant fucking cockroaches <laughs> walking that's, around. That's them. That's the script. <laughs> they're, you know, I I respect the script. The script are they might be the only the the maybe the only truly empathetic race in these books. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're not causing anyone any trouble. Wait, you they're don't not. like the hork bajir? You aren't you don't empathize with the hork bajir? Well, okay, I empathize with the Geds, let's say that. <laughs> okay, okay, that makes, yeah, that's fair. Hork-Bajir, I don't like what they said about our trees, but... Mm. <laughs> that guy, so yeah, it was a bit rude. <laughs> yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. Yeah, and I imagine a Hork-Bajir would as well, with, you know, because of how sharp they are. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I get it now. Uh, what, uh, at one point, uh, Elfangor says, we're going to the grass. Oh, yeah. Does that mean, like, pedal to the metal? <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I just assumed because they were, like, flying through the air, but he drops them to, like, 50 feet above ground level for the chase. I assumed mm. he meant he's, you so know. So it's literal. <laughs> but... I don't know. Maybe that's an Andalite expression. I was my I thought maybe because, you know, they have their dome ships. Maybe there's like right. grass on the bridge and like pushing the mm. drill. But they don't literally have pedals. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they but they like run on the grass. So it yeah, could be like put right. some tail in them when you're shooting your lasers. Right? Yeah, that's what I would. I, I want it to mean yeah. that. <laughs> it, it means that now. Okay. We're going to the grass. <laughs> yeah, going to the Hit grass. Hit the grass, baby. Take him to the chorus. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun action scene, yeah. you know. And I I like that there's some like actual sci-fi stuff in here. Like at, you right. know, this is this is a real kind of technical concern you would see in a more grounded sci-fi series. You know, in a less like oh, there's elements and stuff. You know, it's like oh, these ships handle vacuum well. Uh, but their hulls aren't designed for atmosphere, so how do we figure our way out? Well, we do the chase in atmosphere, because our hull is different, blah, blah, blah. Um, like, it's cool. And they've got, you know, like, oh, Elfangor, I like that he has to open up a window to do it in, like, real time, as opposed to just communicating mm. with a computer. Uh, it feels like there's this element of, like, when you're in space, you go much faster, but you're... Um, reaction time can be slower because you see everything. You don't have to react. It's like like the difference between like highway driving and then like regular street driving. You know, I don't know. I, yeah, it's it was cool. It was a fun <laughs> little thing. Yeah, oh, it is. It is cool. It is some good space battle business. 
Yeah. Uh, and and it's it really it, it's a bit of levity before things just get real dark. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's honestly up until this point, it's one of the more cinematic scenes in the books. Right. Like mm. I could easily imagine this chase scene playing out, you know, yeah. like in a movie, like big action sequence. Like, I don't know if it's because I just watched Fast X and, you know, so I got the it's like <laughs> the cars going zoom us. zoom. But I just watched a Fast and Furious movie, the most recent one. Right. You know, <laughs> if you're watching this is. in the future, it's, you know, number 19. <laughs> It's Hobbs and Shaw four, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this whole book, generally speaking, has more of that cinematic yeah. flair to it. Yeah, there's a lot. A lot of the big scenes in this are significantly more cinematic than I think what we're used to. And ironically, also would be much more difficult and expensive to film than yeah. the other books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, <laughs> this book right why. here, this is a James Cameron book. Yeah. This is a book for somebody who's ridiculously ambitious in their Yeah, filmmaking. or Peter Jackson or, uh, mm, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's wild. Or, you know, it's an animated movie. <laughs> but, yeah, or you could do that. But fuck, the, no, no, no. I mean, is, is it not... <laughs> Is Avatar not animated? Like, at, at, at where do no, we draw no. the line between it's a, CG and... It's a live-action film, just like the Lion King live-action. And... <laughs> oh, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, don't... Please don't try to tell me that the Na'vi aren't, aren't real. I know those blue women exist. No, yeah, Pandora is real, don't worry. Okay, okay, good. Thank you. Now, can we please start talking about suicide? Right. Yeah. I think we can actually. We can start we we're past the first whatever it is on YouTube where they uh <laughs> like you get fucked by the algorithm or something if you say it in the first however many minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we're good. Um <laughs> good. Okay. So Elfangor wants to go back to the spaceport to rescue Aloran and Lauren. And Arbron is like are you insane? They'll eat me if I go back. You know how it is for Taxon. So, you know, he's still on, like, I gotta use the time matrix to go back and not... And Elfanger's like, you know, you can't do it. Um, and uh, Arbron has a meltdown about it and attacks Elfangor. Um Elfangor can't kill his friend, but, you know, he, he does uh, in this, like, little skirmish. He cuts off some of his legs, which, like... Alaric or uh, Arbron can't remorph those, uh, right? So Arbron's lying there, being like, "Kill me!" Screaming at Elfangor, <laughs> and uh, Elfangor is gonna stun him to shut him up so he can focus. And Arbron's like, uh, "You dumbass! You're gonna kill me with that thing." The Yurks use the opposite phaser setting, so one is like the highest, <laughs> and then he attacks Elfangor, trying to trying to get Elfangor to kill him. Elfangor quickly turns the dial on the gun and he shoots at him, but it turns out that Arbron was lying and tricked him, and Elfangor fires the Dracon beam at maximum blast and punches a huge hole through the ship and knocks himself out and the ship crash lands. So, <laughs> you know, just a quick little section here. Uh, th- I don't even think this is a full chapter, but we'll just take a little break here to discuss our, um, you know, lighthearted children's novel in which... 
a character tries to commit suicide by tricking his friend into murdering him. <laughs> Begs him to take his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's pretty fucked up. And it I mean it really takes a turn quickly. This is a yeah. hard veer into sadness. Yeah. And, and although at the same time it is it is kind of funny, just the like, no, 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 the dude. It's the it's yeah. Setting one is the the not yeah. that's the one that'll kill. But you want setting ten because it's you know in in England you drive on the left side of the road right. actually. <laughs> well, Arbron is the exodatologist or whatever, right. uh, you know. So Fanger's like, oh, he must be right. <laughs> but then I don't know what's funnier the the idea that. It would be the opposite or the idea that, well, one thing is a constant in the universe. You have a setting from one to ten on your guns. (laughs) Well, so there's that one actually does make sense because, um, and this isn't really a spoiler. You already know about this. Zero's kindness is the Endolites gave Yerks their tech. Dracon beams are modified Mm. shredders. Like they, they got shredders from the Andalites and modified them to Dracon beams. Okay. That makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah, and that's explicit. <laughs> that like we right. know that explicitly, right? Okay, okay. But uh, yeah, it's a really it's a sad scene. Like you said, his legs get cut off. Although you know, we later find out that's not as big a deal as we think it is. Yeah, uh, which I felt a little, that felt a little bit to me like the Tobias broken wing thing in the last book. Mm, of, like yeah. they like I don't know. It feels a little cheap to give you that danger and then just pretty soon after nullify it Mm. but that's that's a minor complaint it also gives you kind of an identifying feature right like if you imagine a bunch of taxons in arbron you can imagine arbron standing out because he's got short little legs little stuffy (laughs) yes i I don't know that i can imagine that feels like it's still pretty hard to tell them apart to be honest (laughs) i i would like maybe a scar or something on his back would have been a good signifier i I don't Mm. know but uh, yeah, but anyway, it's like, I don't, you know, he doesn't also need to have be disfigured in addition to being stuck in a tax. And so it's, it's not like they truly negate the horror of it. I mean, you could have been disfigured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could have been, he could have been. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it would change much. Uh, but well, uh, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't like to be ableist. So I do think he could be a fully functioning and healthy, healthy right. taxon. Just make him a little taxon wheelchair. Now that's <laughs> should we, interesting. Should we cut he would this have part like out? a little, no, you go ahead. <laughs> a little like stretcher, right? A little taxon floaty. Cause he can't, he's too long. I yeah. want to see a taxon floaty mobility device. Or, like, maybe it has future wheels. Sounds like something for our listeners to submit their own drawings of. Yes. Yes, and we will review those drawings. Get your kids to draw it. All right. Yeah, any please other, do uh, them in crayon like I would have in elementary school. That's right, in crayon. Any other Arbron <laughs> suicide thoughts? Uh, no, I just wanted to make sure we stopped uh, at that portion and really um, drew focus on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. So, uh, so they crash landed. Elfangor, you know, he comes to in the wreckage. Arbron is gone. Um, all that shit that the Skritnaw stole from Earth is like spilled out of the crates everywhere. Um, Elfangor sees taxon tracks in the dirt, 
he sees that four taxons came while he was unconscious and took Arbron and the Skrid away. Um, but interestingly, they like took him. They didn't eat him because he can see Arbron's tracks going away too. And, uh, you know, they've got fewer legs. Ooh, there's another reason to have his legs cut off. Uh, and they also didn't eat Elfangor, interestingly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he figures, well, there's there's nothing I can do about that. So he's got to head back to the space for it and find Aloran. Like, to be fair, th- there's nothing he can do about that. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, he looks through all the human stuff and we get uh, what is probably the most iconic scene in all of Animorphs. <clears throat> wow holy shit that's a I mean, that's a big setup <laughs> i mean the, i i think you'll agree that the payoff is here <laughs> more iconic than nice is neat it's up Mo- there more iconic than the opening scene of the books it's impossible to forget this scene <laughs> it's everyone's except favorite. that i apparently did since i was a child but apparently yeah. you did i don't know how you did yeah, maybe Nice's Need is more iconic. I don't know. <clears throat> maybe <laughs> that's what on. defines the series. So Elfangor finds in the Skritna ship a yellow Mustang, uh, like the car, not a horse. And <laughs> he carves okay. out the seats so he can drive it. And he finds some Dr. Pepper, which he assumes is human speak for bubbling brown water. And he puts it in a pan so he can drink it while he drives. And he uh, races down the desert in his yellow Mustang, drinking Dr. Pepper and listening to the Rolling Stones, uh, which he thinks is bad. (laughs) And uh, while he's doing this, he's imagining the beauty of Earth uh, as he sees it um, depicted in a cigarette ad that he found in a magazine there. (laughs) All right. <clears throat> so there's a lot to there's a lot to cover. I feel like you honestly this uh, there's a, a kind of a scene maybe to discuss before the the Mustang. I like I feel like the stuff leading up to that is a little bit I don't know, like okay. we find the time matrix. Oh yeah, we do we do find the time matrix. I mean, that's kind of it. like we get to see it for the first we do, time. I suppose that's true. I guess this whole time I knew what it looked like. <laughs> and like in theory, they described an image. They were like, they saw an image on the Scritna computer and they sort of described it, but it is true. We haven't really seen it before. Yeah. The time <laughs> matrix is in there. You know, what's, what's really important is that he gets to drive a car, but he does. <laughs> also, also he happens to find the most powerful weapon in the entire world, but you know, it's like but he whatever. drives, he's a centaur, blue centaur guy driving a, a Mustang. Listen, drinking Dr. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Okay. I just feel like, okay. I just okay. want to cover this. I just feel like we should talk about this part first. That's, that's reasonable. And also the fact that the Skritnal emergency lighting is green, and we don't yes. know why. They just like that. Yeah, they just like it to be green. Like in Which, the sci-fis. As opposed to, what, like red? Is what is that what the Andalites use? Like why? is don't, What's the universal color for that? That's I interesting. I Because Andalites, don't Andalites have green blood? Right. Because like, you, you'd think that, like, you know, humans might use red I don't know, maybe because blood is red, so it signifies danger when we see bright red. Mm, interesting. So maybe Andalite should be using green. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know well, if that's why we do it. <laughs> that's, I, it's a good theory. <laughs> well, 
okay, so the time matrix is a smooth off-white sphere, 10 feet in diameter. That's what yes. it is. It looks like a big white ball. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I also this part, I didn't... Re- Elfangor starts ruminating on the amount of power it would take, the power of 10 suns, he says, in order to uh, travel through time. Yeah. How the fuck does he know that? (laughs) How does he know? A lot of his numbers don't add up either. Like, he (laughs) says taking a ship through zero space takes uh, as much as a medium-sized star, but traveling through time would take 10 times that, and it's like, well, you have more than 10 ships. Also, any <laughs> ship takes a full medium-sized star, and but you can't... But the power source that powers Eric's hologram is too small to exist. Like, I don't, I don't know that this was thought through. <laughs> yeah, I just... Well, it also makes me question, like, is... I guess, do the Andalites have the theories about time travel and how it theoretically would be powered, but they just can't do it? Because, like, how is it just common knowledge this is... He's not the exodatologist, right? How does he just know off the top of his head, oh, yeah, they would take roughly this much power to time travel? Like, what are you even talking about? What is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We have, there are all these, like, crazy things that we can do with time travel where people will say, like, oh, well, if you just took something, you know, <clears throat> the mass of Jupiter and you rolled it into a cylinder that was, like, <laughs> 10 meters across... And, you know, like a light year long, and then you spun it at however many revolutions a minute, and then you went around it, you could go back yeah, but, in time. And it's like, yeah, but you couldn't do that. So, like, maybe that's what he's thinking. He's like, oh. the only people who would know that are physicists or, like, giant nerds who are reading about this stuff. They're not, like, teaching that to kids in school. Like, it's not I, just something people know about. Andalites learn a lot of stuff in school. Okay. And Elfangor <laughs> paid attention. He was a, a weird, you know, he, he's not like rebellious little axe who's who's flirting with the Andalite but girls. They're, they're teaching these kids in school about time travel, which as far as we know, the only way to do it is a thing invented by a mythical race. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, this doesn't make sense. Well, they just got to learn about space time, you know, and the rest is trivial that if you just were good enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I win. Now, anyway, now we can now feel free to talk about your little car scene, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's car time. Tell me now, why th- this is the most iconic scene in Animorphs. Is there any, like, this is the, this is the craziest scene, right? Like, this is great. <laughs> it's because it's so, you know, it's, it's so like, half of it is so normal. Like, that's what makes it work. A lot of the other crazy scenes are just so bonkers out there. But with this one, you're like, yeah, it's a yellow Mustang and Elfangor is in it. It's great. (laughs) Everyone loves this scene. Everyone cites this scene. Go read people talking about this scene once you've got all the spoilers for Animorphs out of the way. Like, you'll see people bring this up. Well, here's what I'll say. I, you know, when you were saying earlier about the book being very cinematic, mm-hmm. th- this was the part where I was in my head was like, "This is a scene in a movie." Yeah, this like they they have the soundtrack built in. You're playing Rolling <laughs> Stones, like you're it's driving down in the car. It's yeah, this was custom built to be filmed. I feel, yeah. 
like uh, so so there's definitely that. Maybe that's part of the what makes it so memorable is it 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 it's very easy to visualize this. Although mm. it, with the one exception that I don't know that I still can quite visualize how an Andalite fits in a regular car. <laughs> I don't really know how he well, does he cut that. out all the seats. So he's just he's standing just, in there. He's just ripped the seats out. He's just yeah. got his hoof. Yeah, he's just got his his hoof on the gas and uh you know. Yeah, I mean the hoof in the bubbling brown water every once in a while. It is great to imagine him, yeah, just with one hand on the wheel, the other seven yeah. fingers wrapped around a Dr. Pepper and just drinking it down. <laughs> and I'm glad it's Dr. Pepper. I'm glad it's not Mountain Dew or some shit. And it's not as generic as just Coke or Pepsi. I like that it's a pretty specific mm. kind of soda. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's good. It's a good choice. I agree. Um, uh, yeah. I like the build up to it when he's describing all of the human stuff that he finds. Uh, I always like when they do alien explanations of normal <laughs> stuff, right? Where he's like, oh, uh, I, I have a a list of here where he Uh says um, frozen preserved animals, uh, bundles of artificial skin, uh, glass objects that seemed to contain liquids, odd antiquated electronic equipment, small objects that look like hundreds of rectangular sheets of paper glued together on one side and a long crate of what I could almost swear were primitive weapons. That's what the Scritna <laughs> Hall looked like. That's what they took from Earth. And the Time Matrix, of course, and the car. Yeah, because you can really do some puzzling here and try to figure out what, what all that stuff is. I, I don't know that it's puzzling. But... No, they're like little puzzles. Mm. Oh, you're so smart. You just know how an alien thinks. You immediately knew what they were. That's right. Well, I've been doing it since I was a kid. So for me, it's easy. Can I just apologize, by the way, because I did, I mean, I was, you know, I was speaking metaphorically, but just to be clear, for the listeners, no, I I understand Andalites don't have a mouth, so he's not actually holding the bottle. He is drinking the Dr. Pepper with his hoof. <laughs> yes, and that is honestly a funnier scene, but I wasn't going to call you out on it because it's funny either way. <laughs> I mean, it, so also we're presuming that he's not tasting the Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he doesn't Does it, call it sweet bubbling brown water. He calls it bubbling brown water. Yeah, like, is it still bad for you? Like, is he is his hoof only absorbing the nutrients or something? Like, does it does it take in the sugar? I I don't know how the hoof drinking process works exactly. Yeah, what what nutrients do they take in from the crushed grass? I wonder. Are, right. Does, is he affected by caffeine? Yeah, also a good question. No idea. We don't know how the physiology operates here. Yeah. We need to talk to an Andalite xenobiologist. <laughs> For sure. So it's all, yeah, so that, honestly, that makes it a little, you know, it is better. It would be better if he was just holding the bottle and <laughs> maybe if he like held a hoof up and just like poured it onto the hoof. Mm. That's a little weird. Bubble, at one point he says, bubbling brown water running up my hoof. <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, running down my throat, but in Fernandolite. Both unpleasant in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it, so, yeah, you know, and also the no airbags on this thing <laughs> it crashes and it doesn't like 
Doesn't he crash it basically? Nothing. He's not wearing a seatbelt either. I don't know how he's. Yeah, I mean, it does. That is effectively what happens. Uh, he he's driving along, and the um, the ground like opens up under him. Right there's like a uh, they they have a sound effect. It goes whomp, boom, boom, rumble, rumble, rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he finds himself in a like giant cavern uh underneath the the ground um and there's this uh massive red mountain looking thing with tendrils coming out everywhere uh and it's glowing red and there's taxons swarming all around and all around it uh and in it and they're all like digging tunnels and doing work you know they're um they're like patching up the hole already where elfangor fell through um so the red mountain speaks uh, and it's like, is this the creature? Um, and Elfangor's like, oh my god, it sounds like a planet speaking in his head. I guess it's thought speak in some sense. Um, and Arbron shows up, uh, and he's he's alive, and his legs are growing back, as you said, because uh, we didn't know if Arbron was eaten or what at this point. Um, mm. But he identifies this massive thing as the living hive, uh, mother and father of the taxons. And it's like a massive living conscious tunnel system uh, that like spans the planet and all the taxons live in it. And it's angry at the Yurks and at the taxons who left. Um, so Arbron has decided to uh, stay and advise it because... Like it couldn't understand Yorks or space travel, but he can he can tell the hive all about the Yorks and their plans and what they are. And uh, so Arbron and the Living Hive are planning an attack on the York spaceport. Um, and Elfangor's like, "Yeah, you're not gonna win that." And Arbron's like, "Oh, well, fuck that. I don't. I know that, but we're gonna do it anyway." Um, so Arbron is coordinating like a general here, and he is going to stay behind with the Taxons to fight forever. He's decided he's not going to go home with Elfangor. Uh, he, and he says to, to Elfangor, tell my parents I died in battle, not trapped as a Taxon. You know, he's a Taxon freedom fighter now. Yeah, which I yeah. think is the best case scenario for, for this guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is, you're not going to find a better purpose in life at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think it's quite good. I like Arbron. He's like the little tragic freedom fighter here. Uh, yeah, he really, by the way, I mean, he matures and commits himself to this new fate quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess he. It's just like you either you either lay down and die horribly, or you do this, right? Like I, you know, it's like <laughs> he, he went completely... from one to the other. <laughs> yeah, like it's just completely given up. I might as well die. And now he's actually got something to live for. And he's like, I'm going to throw myself entirely in it. I mean, this is really the part where, yeah, I wish we had an, an Arbron point of view because mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's hard to imagine he's not struggling with this internally somewhat. But it, it, from our perspective, it really feels like, woo, I'm a, I'm a taxon now. This is my shit now. <laughs> like, he just takes to it fast. But, you know, like you said, yeah. it's a it's a it's one of those do or die moments and something, you know, in the heat of the of the moment. Sometimes you just got to make the tough choices and commit. Yeah. Now, this I, I was wondering, I, I didn't think of it in this way, but is this just 
you know, since the the taxons, the living hive and the taxons, you know, they want to fight for taxon freedom or whatever, but they can't because they don't know how until Arbron becomes a taxon and uh, comes, you know, and comes in and teaches them how to fight against our, uh, you know, the Andalite and the Yurk space battle. Is this just Avatar? Like, is this just <laughs> literally Avatar, but with monster worms instead of sexy blue women, right? Like, like the humans are the sexy blue ones instead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the... Yeah. Is this That's... problematic? Is it like a white savior narrative thing? <laughs> yeah. An Andalite savior narrative? Yeah, if they made a movie and the and uh, Arbron was played by a white guy <laughs> and the taxons were all people of color, then this would definitely be problematic. Okay, so just make sure that you cast cast a person of color to play Arbron and and it's fine. And, yeah, and then you CG all over him anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, not that of course Avatar is a. You know, it's a it's a trope. It's a mm. but but yes, this is essentially Pandora, and the the <laughs> the Yurks are the are the FDA or whatever it's called. Yeah, I mean the the Living Hive is basically Awa here, right? <laughs> yes, yes, the Living Hive is Awa. I mean, it's interesting. You went to Avatar. I don't know. I didn't even think of that. I was I was thinking uh, to me, the Living Hive feels very Tolkien. Uh, I, I, maybe that's not, I don't know if there's like, I can come up with a specific analog, but it just feels like, I don't know, booming voice that like lives in the mountains and mm. is, is in tune with the people there. It feels like a, a thing. <laughs> it, it feels like an, living high feels like an ant mixed with like, uh, I don't know, a dwarven mine or something. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, so, some kind of Maiar or other, right? Like, the, like yeah, there inner you go. mountain Maiar. Exactly. You, you, yeah. You're, you're, the, you're there to fill in the lingo for me. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, well, uh, it's a wild Maiar would be like shit. Gandalf or Sauron or a Balrog. Right, right. Yeah. Right. right. For the listeners, of course. Right. Yeah, you uh, know this. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Uh, yeah, the, the Living Hive is crazy. It gets even crazier after that. I mean, we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about the logistics of the Living Hive. Yeah, I, almost, I mean... I. I do want to slow down on the Living Hive because this is where I want to have my little taxon discussion. Okay, well, then I, let's have your taxon discussion I, now. <laughs> this is, this is, all right. So the main point of how I view taxons here is that, yes. like, it's very clear to me that taxons are, like, evolutionarily and psychologically, they are supposed to be part of this massive Living Hive thing, right? Just like a human is meant to function within like a society of humans and judging all taxons by the behavior of the ones outside that system. It's like judging humans by the actions of people kept in solitary confinement for years. Like, of course, they're super fucked up. Like, that's not to say the taxons here won't kill you and eat you. <laughs> but they clearly have some level of control over it. No, they do. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like, this seems to be some kind of actually functional society and it should be given some kind of consideration beyond just like horror murder monsters, right? They deserve dignity. They are a sentient species with it, like a real society. Like human beings kill each other in our societies too. We're not perfect, right? Wow. And, uh, and you know, perfect. it's not... 
thinking about it from that perspective, I will say it is not clear to what extent um, the taxons that left are were like individualists who fucked themselves up, uh, and and so they had to turn to the Yerks, and to what extent they were just like actively greedy bastards who just wanted good food, right? They just joined the Yerks because they wanted the meat. Um, like, it seems clear from this section that the Hive, like, personally blames them and is like, those are the traitor taxons, but, like, the Hive itself is clearly, like, extremely angry and confused. I, I just think that this is, like, the most, like, character and dignity given to taxons as a species in the whole series, and they deserve more consideration going forward, the way that she slowly gave more and more consideration to the hork and eventually even the Yerks, the taxons never really get it. And they deserve it. And that's what I think. <laughs> I, I, in the background of the fucking, uh, <laughs> you know. It's my little soapbox. <laughs> Life is like a mop. Playing that music in the background. Anyway, as a UHF reference. Okay. Let me, let me respond. Yes. How do we know that the taxons aren't just like this all the time? What what is this hypothesis that they're only fucked up because of the Yerks or I don't think they're fucked up because of the Yerks. I think that like like every taxon we see that isn't taken over by the Yerks, the mountain taxons here, they're all part of this living hive. And like what the hell is this living hive if it's not like the taxon thing? Right, but we know well that's a that's a great question. I don't know that I can answer, but um, I mean, it's they these taxons who are presumably the good guys. Mm-hmm. These taxons still have a voracious hunger, mm-hmm. and according to this book directly, had Arbron not fed them others a script, they would have just eaten all of them. <laughs> Right? They would have eaten Elfangor. Any Yerk taxon would have eaten all of them, scrit and all. There was no talking <laughs> or arguing or anything. Listen, I, taxons aren't I, the same as us. But that doesn't mean they don't deserve some of... Like, they deserve to be I, characterized as more than just monster worms. I feel like you're, you're, you're deflecting. I feel like... I think the answer to my question is just... Is yes, they would have eaten Elfangor. They need I mean, to be bribed with other living flesh. <laughs> but the fact is they could be bribed. They are people. They're not just like cannibalistic machines, the way that we see them portrayed outside of this. Sure, as, yeah, as Elfangor's, in his own words, Elfangor says, these taxon were no less cannibalistic, no less murderous. But they function in in a kind of society. Now listen, There's I like would... an order to it. These taxons are clearly much more at peace with their. It's it's like it's like saying you know crocodiles are evil because they'll eat each other when they uh, if they you know are injured or something. That's that's just how they are. I would like to believe that there's a an ideal perfect society where the Yerks leave and the living hive maybe maybe the living hive regulates the taxons and if. If left to their own devices, like the living hive is what provides them with empathy and like that's been disrupted or something. 
maybe maybe that's the case. I'm I'm still not fully sold on this. I I like that there are rebel taxons. I'm I'm glad there are some like good guy taxons. They that's fine. I'd like them to have their planet back, but it's also still seems like a large percentage of them willingly joined the Yerks and were cool with just all the murder. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. It's I mean, hard I, for me to get behind this a hundred percent. I mean, I'm just saying like, there's a difference between like, if you have like a, a violent warlike race, like the Klingons, right? And and you <laughs> hey, know on. they're always the bad guys because they're violent and warlike, but they are people. And the way that taxons are always portrayed in this these books, which is basically just mindless, pure evil eating machines. <laughs> like, they are more than that. Yeah. Would it be neater for you if this scene just didn't exist? There just weren't rebel taxons? No, I think I I like the fact that this is here. I, I I welcome the depth. But this is the thing that I feel like this is, if this didn't exist, then you would be fine saying, yeah, taxons are monsters. Yeah, but I would, it would, I, I, what I want is not less of this, but more. Right. Right. Sure. Like, I would, right. it would be less interesting to me. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Taxons are monsters, I guess, whatever. And then I would move on and not think about it. I like that this is here. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. that there was more of it. Yeah, I'm just trying to establish that, like, this is the the crux of it. This is the whole thing that yeah, I mean, there's, muddles there's the waters. There's more, like, we see more later down that, um, that, like, there is some use for the taxon's appetite. Like, we will find out in later books that the taxon's appetite likely exists in part to get them to constantly consume dirt so they can dig tunnels for this hive. Um, but... Yeah, this is the crux of it. This is the crux of, like, taxons can be people, they can function, like, they can organize, they, you know. I'm not saying that they have to be good or liked, just that the series doesn't treat them with the dignity and respect that a sentient species deserves. In my opinion. Well, you've you've made your stance known, and I respect it. Mm-hmm. Um... Give me a taxon chronicles. I, uh, it can you know, star Arbron if it must. If given the choice, I would probably still say, yeah, blow up tax on planet. No regrets, <laughs> but that's me. That's yeah, me. well, you're just a, you're just an Alloran. I'm a bit there. of an Alloran. What can I say? Yeah. I, I really that's all am. you can say. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll get deeper into that later. But, but I, you know, in spite of my misgivings, I I am also glad the scene exists. I think it's fascinating to explore. Mm-hmm. The I, I I am I do want I I want more depth for the Texans as well. Yeah, I just it just didn't sway me as heavily as you. Yeah, and to be fair, I think the first couple times I saw this, especially when I was younger, this didn't really. I was just like, yeah, 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 Texans do this hive thing. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I want more depth for all of these things. I think Animorphs is at its most interesting when, like, there's not really good guys or bad guys. Um, mm. Except I'm for maybe pretty, the hork Bashir, where they're just all good guys. <laughs> I'm pretty curious about the... And the and the, and the Pemolites. Or the Chi, oh, right, sorry. Yeah, of course. The chi. 
Either both of them. They're good boys. But even um, the Chi have their own things. Like you can go in there and be like, okay, so you're not gonna commit violence, so you're not gonna help. Like we really we don't so, have time to relitigate the Chi right we now. We don't. You're right. We don't. <laughs> I just want to know, does this living hive birth the taxons? Like, how are they connected? It's, uh, where did yeah. this symbiotic relationship begin? Like, I would that's... love an answer to this. I always kind of imagined the hive, living hive as like a separate hive mind consciousness built out of taxons. But I don't know that that actually makes sense or tracks or has any supporting evidence. I mean, we do see... Because we see, like, in the future societies where Yorks have taken over, the taxons all form, like, hives out of buildings. But they don't have living hives. They just, like, you know, they act like there's a hive there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Food for thought, though. Food for thought. Wouldn't, and wouldn't for be taxon. enough to satiate a taxon, that <laughs> food, but for thought, it's enough. That's right. They're fucking <laughs> demons. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right. So, all right. So the Living Hive, you know, they're going to do their big battle. They're going to, uh, Living Hive sends thousands of taxons out to the spaceport and they're all going to like erupt simultaneously out of the ground everywhere and attack everything all at once, which is, you know, we're gearing up for another just unbelievable scene. In just right? some places or? Oh no, everywhere. Everything. Oh. Everywhere. All at once. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Elfangor is going to go there with them uh, in his Mustang still. Uh, and he's going to find Lauren and Aloran and get them out along with the time matrix on the Jahar. So it shoots Elfangor through the tunnels. He flies out in his car, like does a jump out into the middle of all this insane war zone. That's basically just like a free for all taxon slaughter fest, right? There's all the taxons are killing all the other taxons. The ground is tearing apart. There's hork just wantonly murdering taxons because they can't actually get them. It's 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 this crazy large scope thing. Um, and he gets to the Jahar and there's this like and he sees Lauren and Chapman there. And we get this like intense standoff. Bunch of stuff happens. There's this standoff where Arbron is there and he's having trouble not eating Lauren and Chapman uh, Subvisor 7 shows up and he's like, surrender Elfangor and let me have your body uh, to infest. So they're all, you know, uh, and he sends Hork-Bajir in. Elfangor can't fend him off. It's an action scene. Uh, but then one of the Hork-Bajir turns on Subvisor 7 and puts his blade at his throat. And he's like, guess what? It's me, Aloran. Call your men off or I'll slit your throat. Um, so Subvisor 7 does and they all get on board the Jahar and take off taking Subvisor 7 prisoner and leaving Arbron behind on the planet. Woo! <laughs> yeah, big action scene. All the big action scenes, there's just a lot going on. The craziest thing about this to me is how quickly it comes together. Yeah. Like, we, we, we were just introduced to the Living Hive, and Ar Arbron's like, now that I'm here, I can help them fight back against the Yurks. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, it'll be a, you know... A years-long period of information gathering and spying and building up forces. <laughs> They're like, no, no, no. We're doing it now. We're fucking going to fight them now. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. so, yeah. so, so I mean, abrupt. 
it's interesting because there are dozens of spaceports like this across the planet, at least. So, you know, there have to be more attacks like this gearing up. I, I, I do think it kind of fits this like more tax on mindset of like, you know, no, we're not going to do this subtle. Like all the taxons, they're going to burst out of the ground and they're all just going to wantonly eat everybody and whatever. If they all die, they die. That's how we as taxons fight. <laughs> it's like crazy bloodlust. And I, I guess it's like it was helpful for Elfangor because it creates a distraction. But yeah. I think they were going to do it either way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess Arbron is better at being able to be like, oh, you know, here's the uh, here's the structural supports in the ships and here's why they're doing it. And here's how much this will disrupt. And here's your chances of victory. I don't know. Maybe he didn't help at all. Maybe the living hive was just like, I'm going to send everybody to the spaceport. And Arbron was like, yes. Yeah, what did he provide in this scenario? What counsel did he give them in, you know, in the 20 minutes he's been there? Yeah. <laughs> guys, 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 let me tell you how the guns work. They point them at you. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. Don't try not to be where the gun is pointing. I mean, I, maybe maybe he's like, when you break the pool ship, make sure the Texans eat all the slugs in there. If they weren't, because maybe they wouldn't know there's a bunch of slugs in there. They got to eat. Gross. It also is, you know, this is one of those scenes where you're like, man, if, you know, if only he just slit that stupid Visser's throat right there, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that really just solve a lot of problems. Well, actually, no, not really. It wouldn't really solve many problems because. Yeah, well, that's they... we'll get to that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's some uh, well, well, I, well, I just yeah. mean in terms of like bigger picture like the yurks would still probably find out about earth and they just send somebody else and Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it wouldn't actually it's not like it would stop the war or something you know it's just like right yeah yeah that's fair uh there's some good uh exchanges in here i like when uh, aloran's got his blade at subvisor's throat and subvisor's like uh Oh, whatever became of the Andalite reputation for kindness and gentleness. And Alaran's <laughs> like, we left that image in the ashes of the Hork-Bajir homeworld. Um, and Subvisor 7's like, oh shit, you were there? And he's like, yeah, I'm Alaran. And, and Subvisor's like, oh fuck, oh goddamn, oh shit. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Alaran did some shit. He's, he's yeah. like the John Wick of, of Andalites. Maybe. That's true. Yeah, they, they know him. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're freaked out about that. Yeah, it's it's a good scene. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's good. It's good to see Visser three afraid of something. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we got a nice little send off when they do leave Arbron behind. Uh, Aloran says, "Warrior Arbron is a casualty of war." Right? He yeah. like promotes him or whatever, effectively posthumously. Yeah, that's nice. It's it's a good little. <laughs> Oh, Arbron, um, the taxon rebel. Um, yeah, yeah, we did. We did learn that you shouldn't bring a taxon to a blade fight. Also, yes, that's true. You never do that, even if the taxon's got a gun. <clears throat> taxon's got a gun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Good job. All right. So, uh, yeah. Now, so, I mean. I- yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at you've got we've only got a couple scenes left. Yeah. Yeah. No, this next one, <laughs> I have a lot 
I have a note at the top where I was just like, listen, we could, I, I, like my, my notes for this next one start with, I'm about to exposit a lot here. I think a third of my notes I wrote down are from this, this final scene. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to stop me at some point, let me know. Cause I was just going to be like, listen, I don't know where to break this. I'm just going to go through all of it and then we can talk yeah. about what happened. There's a lot of, I mean, yeah, there's a lot. This is the really the, we get a lot of Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was doing this and he was doing that and I was over here. So <laughs> I yeah. just try to try to sum it all up and we'll get into it as we hit our 90 plus minute mark. Beautiful. Oh, really? I thought we were uh, longer than that. That's good. We're doing good. We're going to make I it. Know. Yeah, we're, we're hitting. Our we're going to make it into 90 minutes or more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Alfenger's on the ship with Alrim. Um, you know, what he's like, what do we do, sir? And Alrim's like, you know, he goes into this like insane rage rant. He's like, oh, now you want to be told, you know, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going back and blowing up that ship of Yurks you didn't kill earlier. That's been my number one priority this whole time. That's the only thing that matters. I've been watching that ship. He's getting a little crazy. And, uh, but first, Alren orders him to open the hatch and drop Subvisor 7 from, they're like 1,500 feet in the air. And Elfangor does, he doesn't, he like closes his eyes, but he drops Subvisor 7 out, Subvisor's out the uh, hatch, fallen 1,500 feet to his death. Uh, so I guess he's dead. Um, which he said might as well kill him. Well, I guess they did. Uh, mm -hmm. But they go back. Uh, Elfangor refuses to kill the Yurks again, right? Alaran's like, kill him, and Elfangor's like, I can't do it. I can't kill 10,000 Yurks. And, uh, Elfangor, you know, or, I'm sorry, Alaran and Elfangor, they get into, like, this conflict, right? Alaran's tailblade is on Elfangor's neck, and he starts ranting again about how the only important thing is killing your enemies, and he drops a very important reveal here, uh, which is that they used a quantum virus on the Hork-Bajir homeworld, which is this horrible biological weapon, and that's why he's disgraced, right? Mm. So, big deal, right? Major war crime. Uh, Andalites of all, or Andalites, Elfingers heard this rumor, but he assumed it was Yerk propaganda, but no, they used a quantum virus on the Horkbyshire world. Um, but, okay, this is where the exposition <laughs> really starts. Get ready, folks. Get ready. Strap in. Yeah. So while they're distracted fighting each other, Chapman gets up and sucker punches Alaran. And Elfangor then knocks Alaran out. He takes his opportunity. And, you know, Lauren comes up and comforts him. He's freaking out about what he just did. But he's like, all right, I'm going to take the ship back to this Gritnaw crash site and get the time matrix. He's at the crash site. He's about to get the time matrix. And then he realizes what's going on. Uh, Lauren and Chapman are controllers. Right, this was all way too easy. He shouldn't have been able to get this far. Lauren and Chapman have been controllers this whole time. And because he left Aloran knocked out alone with them, Aloran is actually now a controller too. Right. Uh, this is when Visser 3 infests <laughs> Aloran. Because it turns out that sub Visser 7, that was a decoy. The real sub Visser 7 told this Hork-Bajir to impersonate him and to let himself get killed without a fight. And the real one was in Chapman all along, waiting for a chance to get Aloran. And now he's done it. So Elfangor, you know, 
you know, he acts quick, he runs back, he manages to stun Chapman and Lauren, um, but he only gets Aloran, quote-unquote, arm, so that means Subvisor 7 gets to have, like, a big I won you and delight fool speech, even though he can't shoot his gun. Um, Elfangor can't bring himself to kill him, so he stuns him, and then, uh, you know, there's bug fighters incoming, so he poses as as the subvisor and is like, haha, I've done it, you fools. I captured an Andalite. Uh, shoot that other Andalite I left there on the ground. And uh, so he takes the time matrix and he manages to get off to zero space before they realize and catch up. Whole lot of shenanigans and identity <laughs> switching and thinking about who's who in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was genuinely confused. I had to go back and reread some of this stuff to to try to understand who was what and where. It's not actually that complicated, I don't think, but it, it some of it was not very clear to me uh, immediately. Um, yeah, mainly... and some of that is happening from Elfangor's perspective because he, mm. like, doesn't realize it, and then he realizes it all that well like he does he doesn't see a clue that tips him off he's just all of a sudden he has a dawning moment of realization and knows the whole convoluted plot right well there's like a little nod he sees between the the hork bajir and chapman that you know reading through it the first time not knowing what that's about was like inscrutable to me (laughs) yeah like they drop a couple of hints throughout that he's like i should have known what was up just to prep you that something is up but yeah it's but i buy that he figures it out i Mm -hmm. i I think i think that it all tracks that he's like this is too much luck i i know what's going on here yeah and i think it also makes sense because in hindsight it becomes very obvious to ask the question like why on earth would you think these humans weren't controllers? Like, the Yerks captured them, you saw it, and now you find them again and they're just free? They just, like, interrogated them and left them on the ship? They didn't infest? That's crazy. But I, I don't know, maybe you can forgive Elfangor for, like, in the middle of this chaotic battle sequence, just not really thinking of that until it was too late. Yeah, isn't that what Visser says to him, basically? Is like, good thing you were all distracted about your stupid tax on friend and shit. Mm, <laughs> so. Yeah. He probably does say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, now. Okay. Okay. Before, I mean, I, I, let's just stick on this subject because that's, that's really the main thing. The, the main thing that confused me and I'm actually still not clear on this and doesn't really matter either way, but the Hork Bajir that's pretending to be Visser sub Visser seven. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's who he is right now. <laughs> is, um, he's just a regular hork bajir, or you think there's a yerk in his head? There's like a, a yerk in his head. Okay, the okay. three ordered a subordinate yerk. He was probably like, I'll torture you to death cruelly, like he always does with his subordinates. So you right. better jump out the airlock and die. Yeah, yeah, it still <laughs> seems like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, what is this yerk's? It feels. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't think Yerks are so loyal to their cause that they're willing to die in that way. Uh, it seems more likely this Yerk might have tried to, you know, fuck around and survive somehow, but I guess yeah. he's committed. I don't know. It, it does seem from the hork reaction, or the Yerks' reaction to the nod, like, he looked like he was poised to fight, and then there was the nod with Chapman, and then he sags. Uh, right. He like gives him a little shake of the head, like, don't 
do do it. No, yeah, no. so like there's a chance that when he went in here, he was like, yeah, I'm going to live through this. I'll pretend to be the subvisor. They'll have their eyes on me. And then the subvisor will infest, you know, while he's whatever. But what's we'll his worse out. alternative that, you know, that he'd rather just kill himself? <laughs> like, where's your sense of self-preservation, man? I don't man. know. This or three already in this series has talked about like drawing out Candrona's starvation so that the fugue lasts like a month or something. Yeah. You'll feed him to a anti-yerk, whatever those yeah, things are Vanarchs. Thank you. He can't turn into a Vanarchs yet though. Right. Of so course. you'd have to find one. Okay. So, so all that business is going on and it's, it feels like it's written more complicated than it is. Cause I don't, I, I kept going back like, so wait, so was the Visser was always in, in this head or that head and Aloran was he like, it's not really that there's just two Yerks or three and one in the Hork machine, yeah. two in the people. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's yeah. not that complicated. Yeah, it is. And it's, it is in the middle of all this crazy stuff happening. So <laughs> Yes. I mean, there's, there's not a page of this book where crazy yeah. stuff is not happening. Like I will note when I wrote down my little summary, I did definitely like clarify it for, I did not write it down. Like in the order that things were revealed in the books, I like, you know, because it'll be like, and then I realized what happened and he doesn't tell you. And then a bunch of shit happens and then they reveal what happened. And you're like, huh? And I, you know, so when I wrote it down, I was just like, so he realized what happened. It was this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Aloran is really kind of a rude, dumbass. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking like, you know what? He deserves to be a yerk. Fuck this guy. Al, yeah, Aloran is a fucked up guy. Is Aloran, this really the time? I mean, even before the chemical yeah. warfare, the second they get on the ship, he's like, hey, why don't you fucking do what I say for once, idiot? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I like the part where, where Elfangor is like, isn't the time matrix the number one priority? And he's like, no, killing all these Yerkses. What do you think I've been doing while you've been going around trying to get the time matrix? I've been watching that ship full of Yerks you didn't kill to make sure we were going to get a chance to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's a little crazy. bit... He is off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, he is. he is really fucked up. <laughs> so you know uh, yeah it's i don't know it's aloran's got some issues for sure yeah he does a hundred percent i wonder how what his home life is like he probably beats his wife <laughs> his wife's name is jahar as he named his ship after her. oh right of course of course yeah. i was just remembering because when they meet him in the animorphs book he's like I said something about his wife, I think. Oh, yeah. He's like, send a message to my wife or whatever. Yeah, Tell yeah, her yeah. I love her. Or I don't know. Whatever it is. I mean, I'm not going to get too much into I have more questions about, like, is it why the hork is able to speak perfect Gallard? It's just English they struggle with. You know what I mean? I don't, like, on Earth, they're always speaking in broken English, but there's none yeah. of that here. I, I don't. But but again, remember Visser One's Horkbajir speak perfect English. Oh, so it's just that they're shitty Horkbajir. Or <laughs> yeah, shitty I think Visser Three just doesn't train his guys. Okay, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, sure. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, there was a funny part where I guess I guess it was the Yurk. I guess this was another tip off. But. Um, they're like, come on, Chapman, I can't believe you're going to sell out Earth to us. And he was like, hey, I'm just a dumb kid. Uh, what do I know? 
Actually, he says, I don't think I even realized it. I, I took this note and I don't think I went back. But the, the line is, look, I'm sorry, okay? I'm just a dumb human kid, okay? Give me a break. <laughs> Fortunately, Andalites don't think that's suspicious. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I was like, man, this chap is really self-aware about himself. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, wouldn't it have been nice if he was self-aware and he learned to be a good person based off of this? That would have been great. But no, instead, you know, he's actively deciding to be like, okay, I'll let Visser... Th- and you know he lets Visser 3 infest him because after after Visser 3 gets an Aloran, he doesn't grab a Dracon Beam and blast him. He grabs a Dracon Beam and is getting ready to stun Elfangor. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a de- he's got a deal going on. Now, I mean, I am reserving final thoughts on Chapman to see what happens in part three. Mm-hmm. But I, yes, there's really, I, I'm very confused about <laughs> the, the, the Chapman stuff. It's yeah. does, it I, does not make sense in the, right now in the yeah. larger scheme it of these books. It works so much better if you just assume this is some other guy who happens to have the exact same name. <laughs> That's uh, who she just picked up, yeah. Thing. Like she just should have named him anything. Maybe else. it's his brother. That could be. Maybe it's Chapman's mm. brother. I don't know. It could be but Chapman's now, brother. Okay, I mean, I guess I, I will kind of get into it. Like if we're assuming this is the Chapman, like so now. I mean, I guess Visser already knows about all this stuff, but like you know, he has all the Yurks have all the info about the time matrix. They mm-hmm. just, I, I don't know. It just creates a lot of questions about things, but I, I guess maybe they answer themselves if you think about it enough, which I don't want to. Yeah. Some of them probably already do. Some of them might answer themselves in the third part. Well, you know, well, we can talk about all of that when we get to the ending of the actual book and we, you know, cause I, yeah. I would have to, if I were to try to like to talk about that, I'd have to parse out like, what do we know already? What don't we know already? Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. But I, you know, I there's a lot of good stuff, thematic stuff here about the nature of war and whether or not it's possible to be decent in war. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, that's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty deep shit. Yeah, and um, you know, it's 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 one of the things I really like here, um, is that they they uh, well. So, so Visser 3 actively says when he's gloating to him, he says, um, you know, if you had tried to kill those Yerks, right, like, I can tell a subordinate to kill himself, but I can't let 10,000 Yerks die or whatever it is, right? Yerk High Command would execute me, even if I got, out Al- like, Aloran as a controller. If you had actually tried to do it, I would have had to try to stop you. I couldn't have... Uh, I couldn't have sat around and let you do it and waited for my opportunity. And then, you know, you're two Andalites warriors. You would have stopped me. I'm in a human morph. I couldn't have done it. Um, and I never would have done this. If you hadn't spared those Yerks, you'd never, Visser 3 never would have existed. So I really like that they set up this moral choice. Do you kill them or not? And then they immediately position Aloran, the guy in favor of doing it, as like, the crazy, mad, insane, over-the-top guy, right? Like, this is the classic straw man, right? Like, oh, we've got some ethical argument, but fortunately, the guy on the other side for me, he's crazy, right? He's just a (laughs) mad, insane blood. Like, this is that kind of straw man. This is like, uh, we made the bad guy killmonger so that we didn't have to engage with his political question. But then when, (laughs) when it's all over... 
I don't want to hear uh, you coming for Killmonger right now. Go on. Uh, but I mean, you know what I'm saying though, right? Or, or Magneto, right? Like he's got a real point, but then they just make him a little too over the top. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So they've got that. But then when Elfangor makes the choice that's been clearly positioned to be ethically correct, it turns out that's actually the choice that fucked over the whole galaxy. Right. And and he just should have, if he just blown those Yorks up, uh, they would, you know, Visser 3 wouldn't have existed and they could have just killed him and it would have been done and over and it would have been better for everybody. Right. And so doing, you know, what the book posits is the ethical thing just ends up being practically worse. And I really like that they do that. I like that the book doesn't want to give you an easy out on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't, but then there would be no Animorphs and I feel like the Animorphs are instrumental in, in winning the war, <laughs> presumably. Mm. So so if you take it to his f- f- further out ex- uh, conclusion, maybe it is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I, but, I, it's, yeah it's, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. There's definitely – it's very morally gray. There is not – Yeah. I mean, that I is, wouldn't yeah. – you know, it's not – I wouldn't, like, blame – I. I I think I'm I'm behind Elfangor here. I I don't know. It's kind. Of, I, at least I don't I don't begrudge him his choice. I don't know mm-hmm. what I, I would do in that situation. But Elfangor's kindness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Elfangor's no, choice. Yeah. This is my. <laughs> I mean this this is one of my favorite things about Animorphs is that it doesn't give you easy answers to these questions. Right. It wants you to understand that there's no like in the real world, there's no easy answers to these questions. Um, it doesn't want to just give you some bland, like, Oh, just do the right thing. And it'll all work out kind of thing that you would see in most other kids series. Mm. That's interesting. Cause my favorite thing about Animorphs is when Marco says something funny. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why I said one of my favorite things. About oh, okay. Cause, and I also, another favorite thing is when they turn into a bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, how can you not like the bearer parts? Yeah, and I like when um when uh, when they eat from the tall fit fit too, of course. <laughs> and the canver and the canver and the loo hack. Now, <laughs> all right. Now I want to say let's wrap this up. Which I mean, there are a couple more crazy things that occur, but they're almost like I don't really know how to grapple with them yet. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, but I do, while we're on the topic of Hork Bajir, <laughs> I, All no, right. I do want to take just a minute to come back to the fact, to come back to like the implications of Aloran's use of biological weapons, right? The sure. quantum virus. I guess that merits a bit more examination. Yeah. Like it doesn't need a, a ton yet, but I do think like it's worth reflecting on technically one book ago in the change right it technically sort of um you know we see the hork like yeah andalites you know they kill hork they kill you're like fuck them they're not our saviors next is like how dare you like we tried to save you just because we failed whatever and I, I think this gives some perspective on maybe why the hork don't see andalites as their saviors right yeah um like that they're not saying, well, they're they're they tried to help. You know, it was this Aloran guy who was in charge of it. Yeah, and now he's their fucking commander, too. 
Yeah, like and he, now he's their commander too. That's he fucked them as a as a hork and he fucks them now as hork with yurks in their heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it, it like it 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 you know we can bring it back to that and see that like Axe's views and an- regular Andalite views, Elfangor's views here are on the war are pretty naive. Like well, he doesn't really know what Andalites do. It's not public knowledge that this was used. Axe doesn't know. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, I, I think I brought up already, but Elfangor says here, I'd heard that as a rumor. Everybody right. knows that's just Yerk propaganda. Mm, like the Yorks yeah. say we did these horrible things, but everybody knows they're liars anyway. Like we didn't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But and do. we don't really, we don't, they don't really get into the exact na- nature of how the quantic virus yeah. or whatever it is works, but. Oh, no, well, yeah. they did say it, like, slowly dissolves their molecules or some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a pretty fucked up. Th- I do like that it is, yeah, it is kind of good that <laughs> the, the Yurks almost have, like, the moral high ground in this instance. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, look, we're the fucking Yurks. Even we aren't pulling that shit. <laughs> Right? Like, we have a line, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> There's a reason why that Hork-Bajir playing Subvisor 7 was like, oh, shit, when he found out it was Aloran. Yeah, right. He yeah. fucking knows what Aloran was up to. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, if you're, I don't have any, if you're a hork you don't have love for either of these fucking species. Yeah. They're, they're like, fuck both of them. They're... They're, they're mom and dad fighting over over you, and you're the kid. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, fuck, it, fuck, it, fuck off. <laughs> you know how kids say that, right? I know how kids say that. Yeah, they're, well, they're like, you... fuck off. That is how they do it. Yeah, or I, they're, I... They're, or sometimes they're like, pay me your rent money, bitch. Remember the landlord. <laughs> Give me I your don't. money, motherfucker. With Will Ferrell. Oh, I don't watch Will Ferrell movies. It's not a movie. It was a Funny or Die sketch. With, oh, it was a viral I didn't internet watch that video. Either. It was a viral. There's a little girl as the landlord, and she's okay. chewing out Will Ferrell. Yeah, I never saw any of that. It's like a classic from like 2006 or 2005 or something. It's okay. Pearl, I believe, is the name of the little girl. Okay. I'm glad we've got that established. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can like start to wrap this up, right? <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. So Just wrap uh, it the fuck up. So okay, so they've been going around in circles in Z space, right? Elfangor took off into Z space, he got away. Uh they've been going around in circles for in for days now, so Lauren is free of her York too, because you know, they don't have any Candron arrays. Um we get some more like conversations between Elfangor and Lauren, just so you remember that they definitely want to fuck each other. Like we haven't really seen that yet oh, yeah. this book, and like obviously you don't want to forget. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elfangor knows there's like a tracker on the ship, so he knows if he goes back to real space, and uh, and I guess he has to go back to real space if he wants to use the time matrix too. They say whatever, uh, but he, if he goes back to real space, the Yorks will know where he is, and uh, they'll get caught. So he realizes, oh, I can spring a trap, right? They'll they'll do anything to get this time matrix. So he's going to pop into real space in the Gracia Nebula, which I did mm-hmm. look is not a real nebula, just in case. Sometimes they have weird names. Not that we've discovered yet, but yeah. 
Not that we've discovered yet. Uh, they, they come in the Gratia Nebula, where the Star Sword, if you recall earlier from Book 1, his old dome ship, was set to be meeting up with a, another dome ship. And he figures, we come into space with two dome ships, the Yerks will show up, the dome ships will kill them all. Uh, but when they come in, the Andalites are under attack by these um, like living asteroids, these like rocks flying around space that seem to absorb all of their energy beams and power sources, and they just like grow over ships and consume them. And you know, even the dome ship, like Death Star type uh, firepower, doesn't blow them up. Like they just absorb that too. And uh, and the Yurks pop into space in the middle of this crazy battle. So now we've got Yurk ships in here. We've got Andalite ships. We've got uh, you know, all of these asteroids running around. Um, I did kind of want to stop a little bit just to talk about the Lauren and Elfangor moments here, but there's not that yeah. much more to the book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Lauren and Elfangor, they have some, they have just some discussions about flatties and cubies. <laughs> yeah, which seems like it's a reference to the, um, like old Flatland book. Maybe. Oh, I wouldn't know, but maybe. Uh, yeah, I also, I mean, this before too, but we keep, this keeps coming up and I don't, I don't know if I fully know your position on it or what the truth is, but we, once again, they do refer to the, they talk about the Elamists and they do refer to them as an entire species mm-hmm. of Elamists. Just, mm-hmm. just throwing that out there. That's been, that's been pretty consistently stated so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the Andalites don't necessarily know. Right. Which is what we've said before, too. But I'm just, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's. I mean, look, there was a species of Elamists in a sense. That this is, this is still true from the Elamist Chronicles. That's not wrong. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I just keep, I, I just can't keep help but think about it every time they bring it up. Yeah. It, it's always confusing. And it's very clear that she doesn't know what she's going to write in those chronicles yet at this point. <laughs> Right. I I I can't. I don't know how she knew what she was going to write in this book. I, none of, yeah. I, right. Given I, the time frame, you recall what I said in book eleven, literally three books earlier than this. There was that quote that was like she said when she got here, she thought she ran out of ideas, and it's right. and then she fucking dumps <laughs> this shit out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, the the flatties and cubies, yeah, it was some it's some fun little like science theoretical science talk of explaining elements and you know yeah now yeah, the, uh, yeah I don't know anything else you, what yeah what do you want to say about oh uh, I just wanted to be like this, he he says some stuff about how like how space time has ten dimensions and nerd right of course nerd As we all know thing this feels like she's trying to reference some like old nineties and aughts like string theory BS that like everybody was all excited about but it isn't really taken that seriously anymore because it never panned out and isn't really experimentally verifiable in its current form and it feels like it aged badly to me but i don't know yeah um i don't know because i'm stupid so none of that means anything to Uh, me i'm not that i'm not that well versed in this either to be honest if anybody actually knows their shit they could probably tell me i'm dumb but (laughs) so the the asteroids, which I like to think of as vermicious nids. Oh, what is that from? I know that <laughs> phrase. What the hell is that? <laughs> Those are the aliens in uh, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, the sequel to 
Charlie and okay. the Chocolate Factory. Okay, okay. <laughs> they go into space and there are these like weird aliens that are like mo- little monstrous aliens that eat okay. stuff. Uh, and that's what I kept thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've told you before, I'm not well versed in Roald Dahl's. That's work, our next so podcast, the Dollcast. Yeah, that is our next podcast, is the Dollcast. But, um, <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'd yeah. heard of them, but I didn't really know. So, okay, so that's why that's familiar. But, uh, yeah, I just, like I, I was kind of saying before, I just don't. These asteroids, I don't understand them. I am. I, it seems like maybe we're gonna get more of them in the next part, and if so, maybe it seems better to just save the discussion of them for later. But no spoilers. These asteroids don't matter. We won't <laughs> okay. really get more of them what? in the next part. What? What? The They're just here. Fuck are they? I don't understand. <laughs> They're just living asteroids. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> They just <laughs> drop the concept. I mean, we didn't even, I kind of preempted. You didn't like really say what happens, but yeah, they, they just, they, they teleport back and a bunch of fucking asteroids start eating shit. Like, I, yeah, I they're like, like killing Andalite, you know, they're like bursting ships open. There's like a graphic scene where some Andalite like flies out of his ship into space and suffocates and dies. And they watch him as the asteroid destroys, or like eats his power sources or something. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know I what to make of these. It's I was I this was again, I this these scenes I feel like I read it three times because I was just trying to visualize what the <laughs> fuck was happening. Like I just didn't understand what what are are there something in the asteroids? Are they ships? Are they creatures? What I it was so weird to me. I mean, it seems clear that nobody fucking knows. Like none of these Andalites have any idea what the hell these things are. They're just here. <laughs> It doesn't help that Andalite perspective, you know, they're like, oh, it's an asteroid. That could mean it's a, I don't know what the fuck that means because they have weird ways of describing things. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's, it is funny where it's like, yeah, you get the Andalite perspective, but um, they don't actually know either. Like, they're, they, it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I guess now, I just, I just don't know what to say about it, except that yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> as, as, uh, you know. As in a, when you read the descriptions, it feels like they just look like rocks, right? Except that they change directions and smash you and move around and stuff. As a kid, I always imagined them as having like mean bullet bill type faces on them. <laughs> They're like, Arr. yeah, it feels like it. Just, it does feel unnecessary. You know, we're already. Yeah. We're in the final stretch here. We we have our big action scene. You already had the Yerks. We are coming. Why did we also need these things? That like it's just we did we really need another fucking batshit sci-fi concept to understand in the span of two yeah. pages? And you're like not even really supposed to understand it. They're just supposed to come out. No one knows what it is, and everything's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So. So I don't know what the fuck's going on with that, but I don't know. Let's summer get to the ending so we can finish. Eh, if you're sure, I I did want to point out a couple of the specific Lauren and Elfangor moments. Well, I, because I thought we were past that already. All right, fine, fine. What what do they do that's so important to you? They literally set a date to go to Yosemite together and are like putting their arms around each other. Like this is the horniest scene of the book. You spent a lot of time <laughs> talking about how horny they were for each other in part one. Like this is this it wasn't is horny it, enough for me. Well, now it better be. No, what this wasn't. This didn't meet my standards. A date okay. in Yosemite. Fuck off. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, fine. Maybe maybe part three it'll escalate to your standards. When, want, when we I have the graphic to... pen. Yeah. You know the, the scene at the end scene. of um of it? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay, well that's basically what happens. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, you got Visser three and Chapman and Elfangor, right? Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh okay, well fine. Final action scene. They, you know, it's this last wrap it up, you know. Sub Visser seven, now Visser thirty two, right? He But okay, can we can we he's Visser thirty two now. Yes. They promote him all the way to Visser thirty two. Okay. I I don't know if I again I don't know sometimes my versions of these books are fucked up because there was one part in here when he says in my copy it just says Visser two. He's definitely not Visser two. And then later and then it said thirty two a bunch later and I was so fucking confused like did he get demoted in the middle of this chapter. <laughs> You're the one over here telling me to wrap it up because we can't talk about uh, well, the, the animorph conf- sex. And now you're like, well, what if there's me. a number that's slightly wrong? <laughs> I had to clarify because I was I didn't know what number he was, okay? This is what's important to me. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we figured out what part of the series enthralls you. I thought he was a visor too. That was He's like Visser 32. Okay. <laughs> well, see now. Now I know this was an error. That, I mean, that's a big fucking error to have in this fucking book. That is a big error, and you need to use a better version. The, I, I sent you a better version. No, that I didn't. <laughs> we don't need to get into this. Okay. The one I have is fine, and I'd like to thank, um, oh, uh, unknown for <laughs> transcribing this. <laughs> all right all right go, go, go ahead <laughs> it's, it's a it's another big action scene but i don't know that there's that much to talk about other than just say what happens uh you know um visitor 32 is taunting him over the communications like haha being his visitor three self um lauren pretends to still be a controller and she shoots Elfanger with the shredder and low power so that tricks visitor 32 into thinking it's safe to board um you know, there's like a minor scuffle where Chapman tries to fight him and, you know, hurts Elfangor. And we get a cool scene where Lauren beats him up like she does like a high kick. Yeah, girl power. It's fun. Um, Visser 3 boards, uh, you know, a whole bunch of orcs come on. There's like a firefight with Lauren shooting the gun. She's like doing all the stuff now because Elfangor is injured. But uh, she gets stunned too. And Visser 3 thinks, he's, you know, it's like, or Visser 32 thinks he's about to win. And Elfangor uses the chance to fire the Jahar shredders directly into the blade ship at point blank. And it blows holes in both ships and it sucks them out into space. And he's basically sacrificing himself to destroy Visser three. And our final scene is Elfangor like drifting out of consciousness in space. Yeah. yeah. That's the end it's of this good, part. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, I two things about, uh, this book first thing part part two of the Andalite Chronicles really is I have to say the Empire Strikes Back of the Andalite Chronicles hmm don't you think in the sense that you find out that uh, Aloran was Elfangor's father <laughs> yeah and and I assume in part three we're gonna find out 
Lauren is Elfangor's twin sister. <laughs> right. Yeah. We find it because Elfangor's been sort of talking about his uh, his younger sister who disappeared with the golden fur. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and... Uh, just in general, I mean, I, I really just have wrap-up thoughts at this point. The, the final yeah, action yeah. scene is like what? We're gonna, yeah, it's just an action scene. We're going to pick up their next yeah. part anyway. Yeah. Um, this really, like, you know, these books tend, the Animorphs books tend to have a trajectory from, like, exposition to action. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this, this book really ramps the action up and does not let up. No, uh, like, it does not. This is an action-heavy book. Yeah, which is kind of fun. I mean, it's it's a lot, but it's you're not bored. No, you certainly are not bored. There's shit happening all the time, uh, and yeah. all. But yeah, yeah. No, please continue. I only the only other thing I, I is. I I gotta tell you, I have to say, after reading these two parts two weeks in a row. I kind of miss the Animorphs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, you know, Elfangor is okay, but I kind of, I relate more to humans. <laughs> I, I, I just, it does feel a little bit like when we go back, I'm going to be like, oh, I missed you, Jake, buddy. You know, I kind well, of want to know what's going on on Earth. You're going to get Cassie to start. Okay. Well, maybe. And there's going to be a couple of skunks. I'm okay. And there might be a lot of skunks. (laughs) It might be an entirely skunk book. I might take my words back. We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, uh, you know, it's another part two. I think I maybe liked part one a little more. Hmm. It was a I. Part two has it's it's more action heavy, like I said, and. I, di- I guess I didn't like the th- what they're doing with Texans because t- Texans are pieces of shit. <laughs> and it's a little bit more, it- it's more techno babble. I thought part one had a little bit more character driven stuff in it. Yeah. Part one is definitely the like building character relations. And then part two is where we get all the grand epic action sequences. But I think right. like if this was a movie, then this might be my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could see this being a trilogy, right? I could see the End of Light Chronicles being a legit trilogy with the first one, you know, being this like slower, more character based thing. And the second one being this grand action uh, mm. set piece. And then the third movie. Well, we're going to see about that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. You know, thinking about this from your perspective, it, doesn't it kind of feel like we're basically done? Like, we have a big... All the pieces are together. We got the Time Matrix. We got Elfangor. We got Visser 3. It feels like we're we're at a climax point, and this just needs to resolve this, and then we're done, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. I, yeah. I mean, there is... Yeah, there's still about a third of this book left. Sure so, is. Yeah, I'm, I... Yeah. Gonna tell you, hold on to your hat because this <laughs> next section might be the most insane thing written in Animorphs so far. I, how is that even possible? <laughs> I mean, it might, I guess it depends on your perspective of what it means to be insane, but like, <laughs> it's it's going places. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 
like if somehow... this is the James Cameron, that's going to be the David Lynch. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, well, we, 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 we will see. We've somehow made this episode actually longer oh, than boy. the first part of the book. I have less written than last time. How is sure. that even? It's, it's because you had to go on a fucking 14-minute rant about how much you want to fuck a taxon. <laughs> It's not, listen, I told you. It's always your fault. I told you in like episode one that I was going to have this moment and it was going to be in the Andalite Chronicles. You knew it was coming. Now it's out of the way. You know, it's not on the horizon. We won't have to. Well, we might deal with taxes, but it will, you know. Okay, let's Once we get into like the 40s. Real quick, pop culture references. We've covered most of them already. Most of them are all in one scene. The Mustang. The Rolling Stones song, specifically, I Can't Get No Satisfaction and uh, Honky Tonk Blues. Is it just called Satisfaction? Uh, maybe I Can't Get Nose in parentheses. I don't yeah, know. I think that's right with the parentheses. Uh, Dr. Pepper, which is written in all caps. Uh, and finally, when they're talking about some mythical Earth creatures, Lauren also shouts out Hobbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. And that is the, the part two of the book. That's part two of the book. <laughs> Now, if uh, that wasn't enough for people, mm -hmm. where where might they find more of you? Oh, (laughs) wow. Uh, Well, I was first going to say, you know, you can uh, can, uh, let us email us at uh, theyerkyboys at gmail.com. More of us? Or follow us. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at theyerkyboys. Let us know if if you sympathize with Taxons or not. You do. Yeah. feel like most people will probably not be on your side, but um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Quince and just, you're fine. I have a, another podcast called Geeks on Trial you can listen to. Okay, I'm done. All right. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick to, you can follow me on Twitter at DogTimesMcGee. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing the Andalite Chronicles Part 3. An alien dies in which the Jahar gets sucked into a black hole on the Yerky Boys. Arr.